I'd just like to say up top, the views expressed by the guests of this podcast and the host are their own. They're subject to change in time, and hopefully the good ones stay the same. Take the best, leave the rest. That's what I always say. With that being said, ever since the dawn of humanity, we have come together in celebration, combining the best in art, science, music, technology, food, fun, fashion, games, and more for great big parties. Now, let me introduce to you The Ultimate Party, a podcast where we talk about parties, what makes them great, what could use some improvement, and what are the commonalities between them all. I am one half of your hosts, the Woolums, and we're going to get right into it this episode because it's great. It's our first phone interview on this podcast, and we did it with Susanna Matthew. She's a wonderful person, and she's spreading her message all across the land, so here you go. Hey, Austin. Hey there, Kyle. Hey there, Austin. I would like to start this episode out with an apology. I know we're, I'm returning to form, true to form. We're going back to it. We're going back to the classics, starting it off with an apology. I would like to apologize for not plugging in the mixer at the beginning of that last episode. Because I feel like people could totally fast forward through that part, but then they'd miss all of Steve's explanation of what his ultimate party is. Yeah, I mean, it was an oversight on all of our parts, but we uh, we learned something. We did. And we, that, that's what it's all about. We learned to check that the mixer is plugged in, which is so funny because we were doing the sound monitoring. It was like, whoa, it's so weird how I keep turning up these microphones and no one seems to be getting louder. I think I would have noticed that. Mm. Mm. But we are not professionals. Wait. I mean, we kind of are. Once we get sponsors, we'll be professional. We'll be getting paid for it. We'll what be doing a, this as a profession. I mean, it's the gig economy, okay. right? You yeah. know, a bunch of people working without employee rights because, you know, people think, oh, they're not working a full work week for us. We don't need to give them rights. It's a little too political for ultimate party. <laughs> The ultimate I, politics. Yeah, support. I mean, I don't know how the gig workers would unionize, but it's something that should happen at some point. You figure be able to demand a, a like a writ that uh, you can you can submit. And just be like, yeah. yo, I need this, this, and this. Exactly. We need some leave time. I gotta take care of my baby. I got mouths to feed. They're like I mean, leave time. We only scheduled for one gig. Exactly. <laughs> what do you What do you mean leave time? Just don't Uber for a week. Just that—that's all you have to do. But then, if you're renting a car from Lyft or something, then they're gonna charge you four times what they normally do just oh, for geez. the car. I know. It's like that's really expensive. Two hundred dollars a week is expensive for a car. That is expensive for a car. So expensive. It's on new cars going for like one fifty-six a month or something like that. Right? That's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean. Keep in mind that if you do get your appropriate number of lift rides or whatever, then it knocks it down to like thirty, and you're making money from the rides you're given. But you're fact, still paying like one twenty a month. Exactly. Yikes. To work. I know, but you you get the car, so that's why we need rights. That's, I know. This is why we need employee rights. We got to fight for our rights. Speaking of, well, I mean, this is completely different than fighting for your right but we have our first phone guest and you think we should give her a call 
I I would be down. Let's get this show on the road. (laughs) Let's take a lift. Or no, ban, bad, or whatever. I don't know. Let's make sure this works. We can edit this together so it just kind of ring, ring. Oh, hey. Hello. Hello. How's it going? Good. How are you? Fantastic. Can you hear both of us okay? This Uh, is this is Kyle speaking. I don't know. You didn't meet my brother while you were at the open mic, but Austin is over here. Hello. Awesome. Hello, Austin. Yes, I think I can hear you guys. Beautiful. Awesome. Fantastic. So, welcome, welcome to the show, Susanna. We you are on the ultimate party right now. Awesome. Thank you. So glad to be here. Fantastic. So we're calling you in North Carolina. Is that correct? Yes, you are correct. And um, I didn't realize there was a time difference with you guys. So I'm glad that you probably realized that when we were setting up a time to call. Um, Because I think I'm a couple hours ahead of you. Is that right? You are indeed. You are uh, two hours ahead of us. But luckily, I lived in Maine for a summer and my laptop is still set to Eastern time. So okay. I'm actually monitoring your time better than I'm monitoring my own. That's funny. Well, that's helpful because <laughs> I totally did not think about that until we were about to call. Oh, well, hey, I'm glad it worked out. So um, before we jump into, well, I guess we could just jump into the, the question we ask at every podcast to our guest, which is if you had all of the resources available to you that you could ever possibly want what would your ultimate party look like yeah so um my ultimate party actually end up uh relating actually completely relate to what i do for a living anyways um but my first thought when asked that question was actually about my wedding um which i might might sound very odd at first i don't know what kind of answers you usually get but but not about like I don't know, it won't be your typical wedding. Uh, so um, my ultimate dream for my wedding and the reason why I thought of it for this is to invite pretty much anybody and everybody. Nice. Um, so I work uh, with a ministry that uh, serves those living on the street here in Charlotte, North Carolina, as well as those in a couple of impoverished neighborhoods that, um, you know, even like, pizza delivery places don't want to go deliver pizzas to because they're too scared to be there. Um, and we've been serving those living on the streets for about six, six years, maybe seven years. I've only been around for two and then the neighborhood for about two years. And so these are people that struggle with things that a lot of people don't struggle with necessarily and can get really stereotyped. And so I want to have a party or a wedding where they're all invited because I love them. They are my people, they're my family, and um, I just like the idea of inviting every single one of them, including the normal, typical invitation list for a wedding, like family, friends, blah, blah, blah. Um, and even beyond that, like people I don't know, like walking down the street, y'all can come, I don't care. Um, but the idea is just for a place for everyone is welcome. That sounds so that awesome and charitable to like help out the people and then also not just like give them supplies, but give them social interaction where they can meet lasting friends and cool people that might share interests, but would never like run into them on the street or anything like that. For sure. And that's like, that's what, um, the ministry for their work for. That's what we're all about. It's not just about providing 
just services like food and clothing or things like that. But ultimately, it's about relationships. So um, getting to know that person because they're a person. There are a lot of people who are actually just a step away from homelessness or poverty. Um, I myself am blessed with parents who, if everything fell through for me, and I was left without any money, any place to live or anything like that, I could move home. Um, but there are a lot of people who don't have that kind of support system. Um, and that's just one of the many reasons why people end up on the street. So one of the big things that we pursue is um, taking away the stigma and stereotypes that are on these populations and bringing in other people who come and volunteer time and really encouraging them to seek out that individual who they're serving and get to know them. Because it's like, man, they're the coolest people. They're absolutely the coolest people. So... I'm kind of thinking through, I don't know if you guys have specific questions. Um, I started writing down like a list oh. of the kind of things that I would have, but I don't know. Like, um, y'all, this, y'all, this is y'all's show, so I won't do what you tell me to do. Well, we normally, uh, I don't know if you've listened to any of our past episodes, but the second like line of the intro is combining the best in art, science, music, technology, food, fashion, and more for great big parties. So, I mean, I guess we'll just start it off with uh, a place. Where, where, where would you host this wedding? I would host it in a park, <laughs> big one, and don't have a specific one in mind. But one that could be a good venue for lots of people. Obviously, I'm a huge fan of trees and um, lights everywhere, flowers everywhere, and just one that's visible so that people walking by are wondering, hey, what's that? And they can come and join in. Oh, fantastic. So are you going to have the ceremony and the reception in the same place? Like knock it out in the park and then just start partying in the park? Uh, most likely. I wonder if there could be a park with like an indoor facility. Um, and I was also thinking, you know, to make it more than just they show up, come to the ceremony. Um, but because of the the people that I'd like to invite, I thought about beforehand having it all on site. But find a way where I can bring in people to 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 have like old clothes, really nice clothes of all different sizes, um, and have someone available to do hair and makeup, and even have showers available. Because um, I really would love to have those who are living on the street, right, and these kind of stuff. It's nice clothing to wear to where you feel like mm-hmm. themselves and, um, are, like, prepared for a wedding. You know, you find that dignity and you're like, oh, wow, I do look nice. You right. know, like, I feel like I fit in. I should go to a wedding and kind of building that self-confidence in them. And so some sort of facility that we could use for that as well. That sounds awesome. I frequently listen to a podcast about the history of fashion, and one of the things they always talk about is that fashion is its own form of communication. So when you're wearing these clothes, it not only says something about who you are as an individual, whether you're wearing like a Slayer shirt or like a My Little Pony shirt, those are obviously two things that show your individuality, but just the type of clothes you wear and the the state that they're in shows something about your social status so that when you you see someone on the street or when you see yourself in a mirror, you're almost getting 
a message reflected back to yourself as to who you are. And I think that's beautiful because if you had a facility like that, where you're lifting these people up and putting them in nice clothes and giving them the ability to shower and giving them the ability to get their hair done and makeup and, and maybe some services that they wouldn't, um, normally be able to afford like i i mean a manicure and a pedicure what that's like 30 40 bucks and and that's that's several several that's a week's worth of groceries you know or two weeks worth of groceries in in some circumstances so the ability to have that would definitely give you a different message reflected back at yourself that normally i i don't know because i i know that for myself i have two different uh modes per se because I work in a pizza shop and there's a lot of oil everywhere and it gets all over my clothes so I have a certain set of clothes for work where I just look like ratty and and just awful all the time I believe you saw me in my work clothes (laughs) when we were hanging out at the open mic and then I have another set of clothes which is like the flashy going out like a nice jacket and nice like chinos and jeans and even then you, you you definitely notice a difference reflected in yourself so i think that's really powerful that you would have that available for people yeah yeah for sure yeah how even how i dress like i can look different even um i look a lot younger than i actually am so people still think i'm in high school and i'm about 23 and but then if i dress another way people will think i'm like almost 30 so it's crazy how clothing can represent you in such a different way. And then I'm very aware of what, how I'm dressed and what age I probably look because with a lot of people that I work with, the younger I look, the more strange looks I get of like, why are you telling me what to do? You know? So it does, even just in that, it, it reflects and I, I have to be aware of it and understand how someone else is perceiving me so I can accurately have a conversation with them or a productive conversation with them so yeah clothing is very powerful all that to say i definitely agree with you right on so when you go do these outreach programs and you go into these neighborhoods do you dress down to relate or do you dress up to present authority you say it's on your mind how how exactly does it go into your mind like what what do you try and present when you do this work that you do yeah so actually, the people that I um, that I serve, I don't really dress a certain way. They actually uh, respect me no matter what I'm wearing. Um, if I'm meeting somebody new, then I'm aware that they might think that I'm like at 15 and wondering why I'm leading something, and that's all right. But it's actually more so like other uh, people that I'm meeting on a professional level. So I, where I work, we don't even have an office because we actually run out of a restaurant because we don't have our own building right now. So my office is kind of there, but kind of anywhere me and my computer are. And so I tend to dress down anyways. Uh, so when I happen to run into somebody, usually it's not even scheduled, but run into somebody who I start to network with, then I'm aware that I naturally look younger than I am. So I have to be cautious of my, my words. And, um, I'm showing them that I am knowledgeable, if that makes sense. So actually, when I go out on the streets or in the neighborhoods, I wear whatever. It's not like a, like really, they're they're less aware. When you come into their home, right? So if I go to somebody's bench, every Friday we go out on something called street ministry. 
and we take with us 160 chili cheese dogs and water bottles and we go out in different routes around uptown charlotte and um, we pass out food to our friends out on the streets and um ultimately it is just an excuse for for conversation because you know they're going to be hungry in a couple hours which is no excuse not to, to provide food but the longer lasting thing is that relationship and um, we are faith-based ministry so it's all about Jesus for us, so we want to introduce them to Jesus because we believe he's the fixer of all problems, ultimately, but we're not going to shove them in your face. Um, but so when I go out on a Friday, um, I walk up to somebody's bench like I walk up to somebody's home. You know, so if somebody's coming to my house to see me, they're not just going to walk uh, walk in my house, not knock on the door and just barge on in and say hello, unless they really know me. Um, and then it's no problem. But if it's a stranger, somebody I don't know, I'm like, well, you better knock on my door before you come into my house or like make sure I open the door for you. Um, and so likewise, when we're going to their bench, it's their territory. And so they feel more at home there. So we have to be respectful of that and ask them if they want to, ask if we can sit next to them, um, ask how they are. And if they don't want to talk to us, they don't want to talk to us. You know, they have all those rights because it's their territory, it's their space. It's their home, and we're going to them. So I think that gives them, um, like putting myself in their spot, that gives them, or I would think it would give them more of a right to feel like they have the upper hand. Like, hey, this is my spot. You're in my ground. Whereas if I'm asking them to come to me in my building, like just even we have church service on Sunday, like if I'm telling them to come to my church, all of a sudden it's new territory, and they're not really sure, like, okay, what is this place? How do they dress? How do they speak? Do I fit in? Do they accept, accept me? Do they not? So when I go out and serve, all that to say, I don't really think too much about how I dress because they don't really, um, I've not seen them treat me differently based on how I'm dressed. And part of that too is that because I've been consistently sewing every week or whatever and they know me, they see my face, um, I personally... I think or they already understand that I see them for them and not on their circumstances, and so they do the, they do the same for me, if that makes sense. Yeah, it definitely seems like they are kind of viewing you more on a social level than just a purely visual level. So, like, the uh, your actions speak louder than your clothes at that point. Yeah, for sure. Also, I just want to say really fast, that's a lot of chili cheese dogs. Holy cow. <laughs> it really is. You glazed um, over that so, so fast. Good. Oh man, you're making me hungry right now. But um <laughs> it's it's a it's an interesting viewpoint on that because I, I feel like uh, a lot of people in the city sort of see these people on benches or parks or the side of the street and they, they think that those people are invading on our space so they're they're a little obtrusive to those people when honestly if they don't have any other space that's like that's all the space they have so any sort of rudeness that we show towards them we are weird basically barging into their home and violating their privacy so that's it's nice to hear that viewpoint yeah yeah it's interesting um when you kind of understand more so what uh, leads the person to homelessness and, you know, I've walked through it with people who are trying to get out of it and try to hit all these resources that are apparently available to them, but all these resources have so many requirements or they're already 
filled to the mats with other people who need help. And so they, they can't really help any more people. And so there are those that fall through the cracks and get left out on the streets. And, um, you know, the shelters are full. They don't have a place to shower before their job interview. They lose their clothes if people steal them or they get rained on. Um, they have to spend a majority of their day finding places that get food for free. Um, and a lot of these places, it's only certain times and you have to do certain things or, you know, whatever it might be. So it's like, you know, you get out in that life and it might just depend on the city you're in. So I'm only speaking for, for what I've seen in Charlotte. But you get into that life and all of a sudden it's just a really dangerous cycle of mm-hmm. spending your days trying to survive. Um, and that's all you can do. And so where else are you going to go if there's no shelter? Um, and it is also people camp out in the woods. Um, and recently in Charlotte, there have been, from what I've heard, I've not actually done research on this, so forgive me if I'm wrong. Um, but from what I've heard, there are people going out from the city into the woods to tear down, police are tearing down these um, tent cities. But then the shelters are full and affordable housing in Charlotte is pretty terrible. So where are these people going? You know? And mm. so it's, What's the point of tearing down what they have or what they're trying to Right. Right. Well, that actually brings up an an interesting point because I definitely know that I've lived in situations where I may not have a car or even a bike and it's it's trouble getting around like what you were saying about having to spend all day just trying to find a good set of cheaper free shoes that takes incredibly longer if you can't access cheap public transportation or you don't have a car or you don't have a bike so if you were going to invite all these people that you work with how would you figure to transport them to um to your wedding party yeah dude that's such a good question if i could i would use the whole charlotte bus system (laughs) (laughs) just Um, petition them for like a free day of the bus yeah or something man i mean like I know where I work is in Uptown, and so if a lot of the people from the streets who live up there would come, I could use that our, that spot as, like, a point um, for them to meet um, and then just bust them over to wherever that is. Um, you know, hand out flyers. A lot of it would probably be word, word of mouth. I would just start telling the people I do know, hey, this is happening. If you guys want to come, come to this spot. There will be a, a bus coming back and forth to transport people, you know, something like that probably. Um, but man, I guess that even that is practical because if I could treat them to like the best thing ever, right? Like any resource, um, I would, you know, do limos and whatever, like fancy cars, like old cars, new cars, you know, whatever kind of thing. If each person do, if each person could pick out their own personalized vehicle, to be picked up in that would be the sweetest thing oh that would be sweet well i mean we've had guests before say they would ground all the planes in the world so i mean the sky is really the limit here and i think that would be a totally worthwhile endeavor to hook people up with their favorite ride because i know that a lot of people even if you don't know much about the ways of the world you know what you like in a car you you know like oh man it would be sweet to be in a camry or or a lincoln continental or a cadillac or something like you know the the name brands and you could really do it up big and something like that yeah it would also make for a very colorful driveway (laughs) that's true (laughs) 
just like, yeah, I have to think of parking right oh man well that and just the i mean already you have the juxtaposition of all your friends and family and people who would normally come and then random people around the city and then all these people that you do community outreach with so you would have people at your party talking to people they normally wouldn't talk to and suddenly they all look really nice and they're showing up in nice cars it's like hey Susanna I thought you said these people need help but they're showing up in these nice cars and wearing all these nice <laughs> yeah. clothes it's like yeah that's just that's just today like most days they have problems this is a <laughs> this is a special occasion yeah that's so true that would be funny because yeah <laughs> but once I think ultimately, I guess it's. Oh, go ahead. Now, once again, it's just tearing down the 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 like social views on it. So it's like we're not coming in as this or that. We're just all the the equals. For sure, and I think I've um, to have, you know, when the reception comes for everyone to be seated. I would love. I don't know if there's a way to actually. I don't think I. I don't think I could make a seating chart, but make a general rule of you have to sit next to or at the table of someone you don't know. And then all of a sudden the people who are coming to my wedding who um, aren't in these circumstances, aren't homeless, or aren't living in impoverished neighborhoods and dealing with all these situations, they're sitting at the same table as the people who are and they don't even know necessarily. Mm-hmm. Or the only way they find out is through conversation. And then someone who is has all these resources is connected to somebody who doesn't have all these resources and man, I forget the book I was reading, but they quoted somebody else anyways, which again, I can't remember, but it says it was like the problem. Um, oh, I wish I could have it in front of me. The problem is not that something, something, but the fact that the rich don't know the poor, like it's not that the rich won't help the poor, it's that the rich don't know the poor. So mm-hmm. the rich don't know the people, they don't know their stories. They don't know who they are. But once you have a face in front of you, telling you a story with all these things you never would have guessed and all these finding out all these skills and talents and these people that we look at like they're useless or even an endangerment to society. You see that gold in that person and all of a sudden you want to invest in them. You believe in them because they're a person with a face and a story and a future, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, if that was the outcome of all these people and they're mixing and sitting at tables together, man, that'd be amazing. That would be so amazing. I don't know if I mentioned this when we were meeting, but kind of the way this podcast came about in a roundabout sort of way was I initially wanted to do something with getting concert tickets to like teenagers in and uh, other people who were involved in similar outreach programs like the one you're involved in, like people who normally wouldn't go to concerts because the same way that you talk about Jesus and church and stuff, that's the way I feel about most like live music events. And I know it takes on a different, a different structure because a lot of bands aren't singing about like lifting yourself up spiritually, but there, there are a lot of 
lessons that I've learned inside of like crowds and concerts and stuff where it's like help out your fellow person and, and do what you can and like if someone falls down in the mosh pit you know the, the people near them they need to pick them up because like that person is not something to be stepped over there's some they're, yeah. they're your fellow concert goer like lift lift them up with you and then so what you're talking about right now is sort of the inspiration for kind of all of this is is that mentality of like hey let's gather together and then those those who have have a face that they don't just they're not just seeing a statistic anymore they're seeing a face with a story and those uh who maybe don't know what they're doing or are living day to day and they just they're just trying to do everything to survive maybe can learn some better methods of it or or learn about a resource that they didn't know because what you were saying about how um how all the the shelters were full and and the section 8 housing was not maybe that great well maybe the same way some of these people are overlooked maybe there are some avenues that are overlooked right and and they could find it so that that is really inspiring and um this is a a total random divergence but i gotta go back to the chili dogs because you said that (laughs) earlier and 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 that got me thinking what what kind of food do you think you'd have at this event when you're saying because i mean breaking bread is a great way to liven the mood and get people to come together and and just start conversations because you're sitting down next to someone and you get to talking so so what kind of hors d'oeuvres do you think you're gonna have at this place hors d'oeuvres <laughs> um i was so i would probably get southern food so like fried chicken mac and cheese collard greens all that stuff because that's the that's the food that the restaurant that we work out of and partner with does serve and it is so good and there's a bakery that is attached to the restaurant um and the head baker there she's wonderful and makes like delicious everything today she walked up to me i was working on my computer in the bakery and she handed me a cup of freshly made strawberry sorbet and i was like what mm. and i ate the whole thing way too fast got really jittery to the sugar but it was so worth it so i would probably have them um cater it if i could because it really is high quality food and I love, I think it makes it more special to me when I know the people who are behind you know, the services or whatever it might be, the food in this case, because I get to brag on them and just like say, hey, like, look at what this person did. Look how talented they are. Um, and I know that their heart behind providing food is about bringing people around the table as well and forming that community. So, and I love that it's just kind of messy food, you know, mm-hmm. like you got to eat the chicken with your hands. So it kind of gets rid of that like fanciness of the event and you just got to get real with that chicken if you're going to eat it, you know? <laughs> is that is that comfort food? Would that technically be considered comfort food? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Beautiful. Well, and I love that not only do you get to go up to all these people and be like, they did that, they made this food, but they get to sit back and basically do what they were already doing, but at this this fantastic event and just watch everybody come together and be happy. Yeah, absolutely. I like where your head's at. Yeah. That, I mean, every everything you're saying so far sounds awesome. Um, there was some mention back there of uh streamers and lights and and attention grabbing items there how late do you think this is going to go is this going to go 
long into the night? Is this like an afternoon night thing or like an all day type thing? Yeah, I don't know, man. I just know that I love the sound of running water and light. Which I know lights don't make sound, but running water plus light. Um, <laughs> and so I really, I haven't thought too much about the timing. I don't mind it going forever. Man, I just want it to be a, a full day of just like so much joy. And so whatever amount of time that takes is good with me. Fantastic. That's if you ever come back to Denver, we ought to go to a Red Rock show. Sometimes it rains, and you'd think that would dampen your concert experience, but it actually, in fact, just mingles with the lights, and then the whole sky turns into confetti. And it's Dude, that's awesome. <laughs> I mean, that that has nothing to do with uh, with that, but it's just it's just an interesting party thing. Just lights and running water. That's what it made me think of. I'm trying to think of anything else I want to ask like at the moment that's that's coming to mind but I just kind of want to know more about I guess the, the practicality of it I guess my question is is there anyone in your life who you're like thinking of uh thinking it's gonna work out with or or is this just like a in the future type thing this isn't a future type thing uh, okay. yeah <laughs> So that's not going to happen anytime soon. But I've never even like written this out. Mm -hmm. I've always just thought, man, I want to invite everybody to my wedding. Cause I just want it to be a place where everyone feels accepted and feels loved. So I think that as I represent God's love for his people, um, and that's ultimately the goal. But when I was writing this out, like that was the first time I'm like, Oh, I haven't actually thought through all these details. I did think about music though. Uh, and I have a lot of musically talented friends, <laughs> which I feel, you know, like I, I played guitar for like a year and piano for like 10 years, but I'm like pretty hardcore average at them both. <laughs> um, but I'm like good enough where I kind of know what they're talking about and I hang out with my new musical friends, um, but they really are talented. And so again, it's that thing of, I have a few who, which one you met, Chelsea Locklear, she was performing at the open mic and she's a very good friend of mine, my roommate. And, um, if she was willing, because I don't know if she wants to perform for it or just be a part of the wedding and just come. But, like, I would love for her to perform at the reception. I have a couple other friends as well. I also would love to have a band called Drew Holcomb and the Neighbors. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. They're kind of, like, folky-type music to have them perform. And then I'm a huge fan of jazz music. Ooh. And Chelsea actually introduced me to swing dancing. And so if I could get, like, a swing dance lesson going on and, like, teach people to swing dance to, to that kind of music. Um, and, again, having people who don't know each other from different places and different backgrounds all just kind of come together into that, that'd be really cool as well. Um, we used to have a, a nightclub here in Colorado that would do swing dancing lessons, and that got so live so fast that I think like one way to bring everyone together and just put smiles on all the faces would definitely be to like teach them the moves and then let them dance among themselves. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, yeah, and that. And then I'll, well, go for it. Nope, nope, you go first. I'll come back to mine. <laughs> I was just gonna say that uh, that's a long eclectic list of music. I mean, you have folk, jazz, and. Um, 
your friend Chelsea, she was doing like an acoustic singer-songwriter, but also hip-hop breakdown. I mean, I, there were times where she oh, yeah. was rapping faster than I do most times. So, like... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so it's, it's nice that you're going to have that variety. And if you're going to have all those bands lived up, lined up, uh, what you're talking about, you don't know how long it's going to take to have everyone feel all this joy, but that definitely sounds like a long into the night type of thing. You might even have to have like multiple stages set up. Yeah, that'd be sweet. I don't know how to do all that or what that would even look like, but that'd be amazing. Hey, well, I mean, part two of this podcast is we got to start throwing these at some point. So, you know, I know we'll put um, any resources that we gather from now until whenever this happens, because this this is this sounds like a wonderful celebration. Yeah, my dad is from India. And in that culture, those weddings last forever. So it's kind of what, what makes me think of that. I went to my cousin's wedding. Um, I was actually in it like 15 years ago. And it was like a five-day wedding. There was there was one day with the actual ceremony, but like two days before, two days and after, we're just filled with all these different types of celebrations. So I feel like having one day that's just like one giant, huge day of celebration is acceptable because of what I've seen. Um, so y'all will definitely be invited. I'll, uh, I'll remember any, anybody and everybody's invited. So y'all are totally welcome to come. I'll let them know. Yes. I can't, I can't wait to meet all these people that you work with and all your family and friends. Cause it seems like you surround yourself with a lot of joy. That's the goal. Um, ultimately, uh, it does come from my relationship with the Lord. And that's like, you know, like, I think, Kyle, you were saying how you really love bringing people to concerts and how all the lessons you can learn just going in that. And, you know, each person has that, that thing that really motivates them. And so, um, for me, it really is my relationship with the Lord. Life is so complicated and so hard. I find so much strength in my faith and in God who provides that. And so, with, with this and how much God is a part of my life, like, the there's a whole biblical thing about what marriage is, but I won't go into that. And, but how it represents God's love for his people ultimately is what it's talking about. And my goal for this wedding is again, for everybody to come and say, you can come, this party is for you. And I want you to look good for it and feel awesome and have a great time. And when I mean anybody can come, I mean anybody, I don't care what circumstance you're in. I don't care like what you did yesterday, what you did five minutes ago that you feel so ashamed about. If you even feel ashamed about it, I don't know. You know, I don't care what skin color you are. I don't care what language you speak. Like you're invited. This wedding is for you and I want you to come and be a part of it. And just that, that is what I feel the invitation um, into God's family is. Um, And so if I can represent that, um, I think a lot of times the gospel is, oh, you're going to go to hell if you don't believe in God. Um, that's so sad. Like, whether or not that's true, which I, I do unfortunately believe it is true, but that's not the main message. The main message is like, dude, God loves you, and he's coming after you. And so that's the part that I think has been so left behind. Um, and so if I can bring that to light, like, hey, this is the gospel. God loves you, man. You know, and like, he accepts you and just, just loves you so, so much. You know, you watch those shows sometimes, and there's what we call like Bridezilla, and or like even these shows about the dresses. So yes, the dress for dresses cost so much money, 
and there's like no problem with that. But I'm like, man, my dress will probably have to cost like pretty cheap because I'm pretty sure it's going to be covered in crayons and dirt. <laughs> like the wedding's over like who knows you know like that's not the main focus of it like the perfect day for me is not about how like beautiful I look or how beautiful everything is and like the perfectionist type way uh, the past few years working for this ministry I've seen how um, how beautiful messy is and how you just like nothing is ever perfect you just come as you are and if you just experience it and see how each person is going through their process and finding what brings them joy and all that kind of stuff, like it's so much more fulfilling that way, but that's all easier said than actually done because life is also really hard. So I can't ignore that. But True that. that's kind of where I'm at with it. <laughs> so, so you've been talking about it on this episode and now I'm curious, how did you get involved in, with this ministry? Is, yeah, um, so it's it's called the Charlotte Mecklenburg Dream Center, and it's actually part of, like, a national network, so the first and largest dream centers in Los Angeles, California. But I actually found it because in college, I used to ask my friends, you know, if you could do anything with your life, regardless of money or practicality, what would you want to do? Which is, I think, what I asked you, Kyle, and you're like, hey, that's a similar question to what I do my podcast on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so I would ask that question because I just wanted to get people outside of their box of, you know, at any point in life you're trying to figure out what you want to do. But in college, you're like, well, I'm getting this degree. What do I want to do with it? And so trying to break off those boundaries of, like, what you could and couldn't do. And so for myself, I wanted to open a bakery that employed people who need second chances. And so I was telling a few friends about that. Um, I studied social work in school. And so long story short, uh, told a few friends about the dream to open a bakery and he took for or some play people who need second chances, whatever that looked like. And my friend found um, the King's Kitchen and that's the restaurant I've been referencing. Um, and they do that. So uh, they have a something called the discipleship program. Um, and it's actually run by the Dream Center, but uh, which is who I work for, but we operate out of the King's Kitchen. And um that discipleship program employed people off the street. Uh, at the time when I came, the like sous chef had actually started off um, just coming out of prison and then ended up interning at the King's Kitchen and um, got housing and uh, was met with every week and just kind of mentored us. And sh she was so good at what she did, she became a sous chef of the restaurant, which is incredible. And so they, they had a program like that, we still do. So I came down one summer, uh, summer of 2015, uh, between my junior and senior year in college, because I just wanted to intern for them and um, kind of learn more about that program and see what they did so I could learn for the future. And long story short, the only person that knew I was coming was actually the manager of the restaurant. He didn't tell anybody else, specifically the people who worked for the Dream Center and would have been in charge of me. And so I showed up. And they're like, hey, you have an intern, you know, to the Dream Center staff. And they're like, what? We don't know who this is. <laughs> um, so I spent two months there just kind of figuring things out, looking at what they did. Uh, grew a lot in my face. And before I left, I was like, man, I really want to come back here and work for this place because this is 
a place that treats people with respect, regardless of where they come from or what they look like or what they smell like, in all honesty. And that has always been a big belief of mine to treat people with respect, regardless of all that stuff. So um, I told the the owner slash pastor that I was like, hey, I'm graduating in a year. I would love to come back if it's possible for me to work for you. And about five or six months later, they gave me a call and said they would love to have me when I graduated. So a week after graduation in 2016, I came down to Charlotte and I moved and I've been here ever since. That's a very inspiring story. Sounds like you really went after what you were passionate about. Yes, yeah, and a part of that is, you know, I mean, it's honestly an example of something that I was able to do because I have the support system of a really good family, you know, parents who, who, uh, like, I didn't have to work that summer. I didn't make any money that summer. Um, I was just there to learn, and so my parents were able to support me while I did that, and that's a blessing. That is something that a lot of people do not have, you know, and so I'm grateful for that. Um, and grateful for for just the support system that I have. So, yeah, it's crazy. It's really weird. There's more to that, but I don't really want to go into detail, I guess. But I'm glad, man. I'm glad I went out for sure. I feel like that's that's definitely important. Where like we we want this purpose, but unless we're actually like fulfilling a thing, like to be a musician, but to play somebody else's music to a crowd you don't like doesn't really seem that fulfilling whereas it seems like you're you're doing what you want to the people you want with people that you like yeah yeah for sure i knew that uh you know coming out of college i was very blessed to step into something like a job that didn't have meaning to me it wasn't just a job to make money and make a living and then figure out you know what i wanted to do um but it was something that I already wanted to do, you know. Do you have any advice for people who are thinking about trying to give back to their communities but maybe don't know how or maybe don't know where to start looking or maybe don't know where they fit in? I would assume each city is different. I know that Charlotte has a website called Share Charlotte where you can go and look up all these volunteer opportunities. But honestly, um, I think sometimes we can try to serve people that we don't even know or aren't even really around, which is good. It's so good. Um, but something I, I know in myself that I have to work on is remembering to serve the people that are right next to me. You know, my family, my friends, even my neighbors, right? Like, I feel convicted because I'm going into a, a neighborhood every single Saturday and purposely loving the people there. And there's purpose behind it. There's reason behind it. The neighborhood that's there that I go into is a different neighborhood than what I live in, like, economically. Um, but, you know, I don't really know my neighbors. I don't know the people who actually live right next to me. And so why don't I go knock on their door and, like, bring them a batch of cookies, you know, and, like, say, hey, how are you? Um, my name's Susana. I live right across the street. Anything I can do for you? You know, so I would encourage people to look not only to those who, you know, economically or socially or however, whatever ladder we go by are like a couple rings down if we look at it that way. Um, but even just people that are right next to you or, you know, when you're on the bus or the train and you see somebody 
who look homeless or look like they could use a hand up, like you don't have to go up to them and, you know, say, hey, you look this way. Are you okay? Or like, what do you need? Or can I just give you money? <laughs> but, you know, like, hey, what's your name? Hey, I'm, uh, you know, my name is this. What's yours? What are you up to? And um, I know that when we go out on street ministry on Fridays, no one carries cash or anything like that just because people always ask for it no matter what. And whether or not you want to give it, it's totally up to you, you know. Um, but if you're like, oh, I don't really want to end up giving away all my money, I understand that. So, like, don't carry cash for a day and just go around and start talking to people and say, hey, how are you doing? Or, like, bring something with you. Like, you know, I don't know. I think it's it can be a lot more natural and less organized than we think it, it might have to be. No, I, I fully agree. That's that's some good advice for people. I like what you were saying about going to someone up on the bus and just starting with asking for their name and uh, or even saying your name first. Like, hey, I'm this and they're that. Because I find that uh, one of the trickiest questions to be asked is, are you okay? Because sometimes you feel okay and then you start wondering, why does this person think I'm not okay? Yeah. Am am I I okay? I don't know. And so I I like that approach of the just how you would go up to someone at a bar or something. Hi, I'm this. You seem like a cool person. I'm talking to you now. Yeah. Brilliant. Austin, you you got any more questions? We're hitting like the 50-minute mark, so this is is normally where we say like parting words and... and, uh, (laughs) And ask you if you want to plug anything. I guess, Did, Austin, you got you got something really fast. Have you have you met anybody on your journeys that has standed out to you and just like what an amazing or talented or just nice person that they are, or is it just there's too many to count? Yeah, man. Um, oof! Wow, uh, I don't even know how to summarize a story. There are so many people out there, um, right, that you can encounter, and there are a few for me that have hit home more than others and that I count as friends. One of the biggest turnarounds that I've seen, and I could literally do a whole other podcast on this woman's story, but totally not going to do that. When I first met her, I was scared for her kids because I saw her as someone who struck fear in her kids. Her kids learned to trust me when we showed up every Saturday, single Saturday. And uh, I remember having to call my coworker and asking her to help me know how to love this woman because I didn't want to look at the mom as the enemy because this was the mom, the four precious kids. And um, fast forward about a year, year and a half, and I love this woman to death. She's in a discipleship program. She goes and does everything for everybody. She's always trying to help. She's so compassionate. She's always wanting to pray for people. She has turned around her family so much. Her kids adore her, which they always had, but they're not so fearful. And there's so many more specific stories within that general summary. But she, one of her dreams is to open a restaurant called Curlin's Kitchen. And it's after her, I can't forget if it's her mom or her grandmother, but to go from a woman who was yelling at her kids when I went to go pick them up and just didn't want to have to do anything, have anything to do with us or anybody to someone who is telling me about their dreams and tearing up about it. 
You know, like I love that transformation. I love where it's going to continue to go because it went from somebody who someone like like me can be scared of and not want to have anything to do with and actually like look at as an enemy to someone I call a friend who I'm excited about her future and um, who she herself is excited about her future, you know? And that's so, so that's hard one for example of many. Oh man, and the just the like the exponential good or evil can do that just that if 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 one person's mean to another person, it can wreck their day, so they're mean to three other people, and it just keeps going like that. But to oh, yeah. to to change this woman's perspective, so not only is she doing better, but she's helping her kids, and she's trying to help those around her and start her own business to just keep spreading that love. Good on you. Good on you. Yeah. That was awesome, man. And ultimately, like, I man, I messed up so many times. I have no idea what I'm doing all the time. I'm always in all these situations where I'm like, oh, I've never been in this situation before. I don't really know what to do. And so I am praying and asking the Lord for help all the time. And so, like, to me, like, all the glory goes to Him because He has done things. Like, my actions do a little bit, but then I see His work through all that stuff. And things happen that I never could have made happen. So, um just to say, like, I am just stewarding, like, the Lord's grace and love for people, ultimately, and even in that, like, that grace covers me, because I, like, I, like, I literally have no idea what I'm doing, and I screw up all the time, but it still works out, and it's so great, so. Well, you're, you're grounded in good spirits, so good on you, good on him. Yeah. I'm happy the situation is as it is. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I definitely understand that mentality if i if i could real quickly share one of my own stories i don't i don't know if i've ever shared this on the air but um there's definitely times where i was finding myself doing things similar to what you were doing and i try and do it as much as possible but it just like you're around it when you're around it and i don't really have a the same sort of support structure that you do but um Mm -hmm. There's this one time a lady was chilling out on the the freeway on ramp and we got to talking and I, I approached her the same way you were talking about approaching everyone. Hi, I'm Kyle. What's your name? Hey. And then we just started talking and it turns out she had been estranged from her daughter for a while and she's just talking like all these things and how to get through and she's like, yeah, but I know the Lord has a plan for me and yada, yada, yada. And, um, and it really, it smacked me at that moment because I looked to the west, and I don't know if you noticed this when you were in Denver, but we have a great view of the mountains. If you look out to the west, when it's not blocked off by buildings and towers, I was like, you know, honestly, lady, it's crazy to me how all these people in their cars coming towards us and looking at us seem so angry in their cars, and I just look out over those mountains and... And it's just beautiful. It almost seems like you have the most beautiful view of anyone right now. And she goes, yeah, and I know that when I see that, that the Lord is smiling on me. And it happened to be sunset, so the sun was setting over the mountain. She was like, I I know the Lord's looking down on me. I know there's a plan, and it might be kind of rocky right now, but I I just know that 
there's something out there for me and and all this and i was like well you seem a little cold is that the case and she said yeah and i just happened to have a sweater and there's more to this i'll tell you more about this right now i don't know how much i want to share on the air but i gave her a pullover that i had taken on a hike with me and it is a very specific mountain i took it up to the top of uh, this mountain called holy cross and as I was relaying this story to her, she just like broke down in tears and hugged me. She's like, listen, man, like you're amazing. This moment is amazing. I have to talk to God right now. But like you, I just want you to know that that that's the power. And at that moment, I felt like I had nothing to do with it. I didn't know any of that was going to happen. It would just, I just yeah. felt, felt compelled to talk to this lady. And it was just like, what the heck? What, 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 what in the world just happened there? Like that wasn't, that wasn't me. Uh, nine times out of 10, that would have never happened, but it did happen. And then I, I felt alive in, in a way that yeah. you don't normally feel in your day to day. Well, maybe you feel like that a lot when you're going out doing the work and feeling like, wow, I didn't know I have the strength to do this, but here I am. And we're, we're going at it together, Lord. And, and, (laughs) and so that's, that's amazing that you get to experience that. And I I definitely agree with the sentiment. So, so thank you so much for sharing all of that on the podcast and, you know, being, being a ray of light out here. Yeah, dude. Thank you for having me. That that story. Thank you for sharing that story too. That's what it's all about. Right. It's awesome when you went and talked to him, and then look what happened. And um, yeah, so thank you, dude. That's uh, awesome. Oh. And I appreciate you both, Kyle and Austin, for having me and being willing, being willing to let me rant for a bit. Oh. Um, yeah, I just appreciate it. Of course, this podcast is nothing but rants, and I I truly hope that you find. A, a nice handsome man and things lead to one another and he proposes and then we can turn up on this amazing helpful party oh yeah right that would be so great oh, I'm all in. <laughs> oh yeah it, would, it honestly this is this is just amazing i think these episodes just keep getting better and better and this this was what definitely one of my favorites so yeah yeah, so thank you so much for being on and before we go is there anything you want to plug do you want to tell people to go look up on the internet or get out there in the world or something or just anything you want to share with the people that they should go check out yeah i mean uh i don't know i'm yeah i'm in charlotte so i don't know if anybody listens to this is will be in Charlotte or is around the area, but um, you're welcome to look us like my organization up online, the one that I work for um, at CLTDC, like Charlotte Dream Center, CLTDC.org, um, and check us out and send us any questions or whatever. But uh, honestly, my plug, and hopefully I don't want to do this, but honestly, my plug is just that the Lord loves you guys, like every single one. I think we're so caught up on oh, you're going to go to hell if you don't believe in God. But the most cliche verse in the Bible, which if you've ever been like near a church, hopefully, maybe not, maybe not. But the, the verse is John three sixteen, And so it's like, you know, for God to love the world, that he um, sent his son that whoever should believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. But in 17, the next verse says, for God did not send his son into the world, um, to condemn the world, but so that the world might be saved through him. So the ultimate purpose 
of God sending His Son was community. It was bringing people together. It was eternal life. It was hope and love. It was not condemning. It's the opposite of condemning. So hope, that's my message overall as, as for my life, I think, um, is that verse 17, to never be condemning, because um, that's so not what the Lord's about. But that's my plug. I know that's a little bit unconventional, maybe, but that's what I got. I like it. There's, yeah. there's definitely a decent amount of people there that have preconceived notions about religion, so and I'm, I'm happy you're spreading the love. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much, Susanna. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, guys. Hopefully, I'll talk to you soon. Uh, of right. course. Uh, we end up by saying, party on. Party on. <laughs> party <laughs> on. Right on. <laughs> All right. Later. All right. See you guys. Bye. Bye. Hey, I think that went pretty well. That was a good one. That was a fun one. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I definitely think that would be one of the parties that I would I would feel good about. Like it, it wouldn't be so much like that 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 weekend effect of right. like you know one we're just partying now, but then Monday is coming. It's like by the time everything's said and done, you're like this was good. I did good things yeah exactly and honestly i have no problem with it lasting five days yeah honestly i want to check out one of those weddings i know we gotta get someone from india on this podcast (laughs) because that sounds awesome yeah i don't know what you're doing to fill up five days but i mean i've seen some bollywood dances and it sounds like a great time oh my gosh it sounds so fun well i know in in germany because we had different days for partying um we had like tuesdays was a certain club and then thursdays were a different club and saturdays were a different club Mm -hmm. so when people's birthdays came around i mean you had the whole week of birthdays like yo it's sarah's peaches oh snap but didn't we just go to sarah's pub yeah but that was thursday today's tuesday did you go to sarah's mcaf it was crazy (laughs) We gotta do all the business. We gotta do, uh, and we're gonna get Kegelbahn going. So I mean, I'm sure you can fill up five days. You get like one day for the rehearsal dinner, one day for the wedding, one day for. I mean, again, we have to get someone from India on the podcast to see how you fill up the five. I'm not gonna just assume what it is. And you, you very rationally explain that whole Germany thing, and all of those words didn't make sense to me. Uh, Yeah, Kegelbahn. Is that when you have like the egg and you try and hold it between your hips? Oh my. Okay, so we got to get this going in America because. I mean, I think you got to get it going in Germany. This might have been a completely Edelweiss thing that only lasted for a couple of months or years. And basically what it was was a two-lane bowling alley. But the bowling alley was set up in such a way where there were nine pins instead of ten, right? And they were set up in a square instead of a triangle. And Weird. Yeah, and... There were a lot of weird things about it. They were all on strings. So you know how in a traditional bowling alley, it picks up all the remaining pins and then scoops the other ones away? Well, these were all on strings. So if the pin got knocked down, it would pull the string up. And then you threw the ball until all the pins were knocked down. And then it would reset. It wasn't traditional bowling where you get two tries to knock them all down. You have to keep rolling until you knock them down. And then... The way we'd set this up was in the two lanes, you would have a table between them and people playing flip cup. 
So, oh, man. Yeah, so you start it off. The first person flips, you drink, or you drink, you flip, and then you roll a bowling ball and see how many pins you can knock down. And whichever team knocked down three racks first won. So you just kept doing flip cups. So, yeah, you'd, you'd flip, you drink, you or you drink, flip, roll. Oh, my gosh. And, I mean... We just talked about a lot of spiritually uplifting things, you know, coming in contact with people and and uh, destroying, dismantling your views of who deserves help and you know what what justice is and how the system works and all that stuff. And that's, at the same time, that's great. Also, what is really fun is drinking and throwing heavy things. Mm-hmm. If rec- only there was a way we could combine those. I, yeah, I definitely recommend the former over the latter. But you know, at the same time, at w- and during once in your life, people should play Kegobon. So, I wholeheartedly agree. Thank ex- you for explaining. That. Yeah, that sounds ex- exactly. And I mean, if we go much longer, then Squarespace isn't gonna isn't gonna freaking be able to handle the file if i could a lot of podcast plugs squarespace that's why i got it in the first place here's the thing if you're going to do podcasting on squarespace just be aware that you have to keep your file size under a certain limit so you can't upload it uncompressed unless it's super short and if you go much longer over an hour you really have to take a dive in quality so squarespace I get it that you're trying to save on data and whatnot, but the fact of the matter is I pay you 200 bucks a year just to keep this podcast running. So, you know, work, work on that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's as much epilogue as we need on this episode. I don't want to take away from all the great things Susanna said. True. True. Yeah. Well, shout out to the Lord. Amen. And 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 shout out to all the people that are that are preaching the the Lord's work in in positive ways. I feel like there there's a lot of intrusive and overbearing religious people, and I just I just felt the the warmth and the happiness from Susanna. So. No, yeah, no, dude. I mean, I don't feel the need to bring this up all the time, but I mean, like, I'm a straight nihilist, and I still love God. So nice. I mean, yeah. I mean, I believe in nothing, but if nothing is real, then why couldn't God be real as the rest of us, right? True, true. true. Heavy, heavy question to end it on. Party on! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I don't know if I should go on this record, but I'm agnostic as much as I am bisexual because I'm, I'm curious, you know? And, right. and, and I, I don't know. It might be nice in this way or that way. Yeah, you ever been to church? Um, yes. Like, recently? Not as of recently. You ever been to synagogue? No, honestly. You ever been to mosque? Like, I want, I want to try out the, Buddhist uh, temple? The, um, the, the workings and practices rather than just learning about what people do. Cause that's, yeah. that's completely different. Dude, that would be dope if we could do a podcast, like, at one of those, like, churches that really gets into it. Yeah. Just like, hey, we're or even just like a function of one my buddy was uh baha'i 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 i don't know if you've heard of that friggin um basically what they believe is monotheism through polytheism basically where 
there is one big monotheistic god sort of the same way hindu has like atman and yeah yeah but then like it's spread out and then there's like shiva brahman all that stuff i have a very cursory knowledge of freaking hinduism yeah. and baha'i but basically the way he explained it to me was every so often people need more messengers so the the almighty comes down and sends you another messenger like jesus was one and buddha was one and muhammad was one yada 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 there's probably one walking around right now find him and don't kill him this time so or her yeah yeah (laughs) we don't need us to come to the binary we're omnipotent yeah all right well i would love to keep bantering but we can banter on religion another day exactly until then party on kyle party on austin Party on the world. Party on. Party on the universe. North Carolina. Party on. Yeah. Hopefully we get some North Carolina listeners out of this. We're We're going worldwide. At least across the country. Across the country. Across the country. Yeah. All right. Oh, can I end this episode on an apology? Yeah, sure. I... Sorry I mispronounced hors d'oeuvres. (laughs) <laughs> I think I had heard that joke Ooh. so many times that I thought that's actually how it was pronounced. I legitimately think that that is not the first time you've done this on this podcast. And the, the first time was more just like a, ho oh, ho, Kyle, you cheeky. And this time was not that case. So I was just yeah. like, whoa, man, we should probably not be dropping hors d'oeuvres here. Uh, see, again, I think I just heard that joke. And like enough people have done it sarcastically. I thought that was just how it's pronounced. Just like, what are we serving for hors d'oeuvres? And they thought they were being funny. I thought that was the word because no. there's the H at the beginning of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. No. My bad. That's all good. Yeah, it was not appropriate for where it was dropped. Well, let's look it up because I may be giving you a hard time and then it's hors d'oeuvres the entire time. I'm pretty... It might have been, but... Regardless. Regardless. We were not making a joke. Yeah, no, I took that very seriously. Everything in that podcast was amazing, so party on. Yes. All right. Party on. All right, that was our episode. You are currently listening to a cover of Trouble of the World by Mahalia Jackson. She is one of the most influential gospel singers out there, or that was out there, rather. She was referred to as the queen of gospel by many. Harry Belafonte called her the single most powerful black woman in the United States. She was raised in New Orleans before moving to Chicago and then eventually touring all over the world. She was the first gospel singer to perform at Carnegie Hall, and that's something. And now a man named Carlton Ruff is playing the saxophone over the song because I don't want to talk over her beautiful voice. So look her up. This is Mahalia Jackson. It's great. And I really hope you enjoyed that episode. I had a lot of fun taping it. I ran into some trouble editing it where the dog crashed like five times. So I was a little frustrated with that. But it was worth it because it's coming out. And you're enjoying this. And you were enjoying that. And everything is great. So go check out the ministry that... uh, Susanna works for go check out Mahalia Jackson go to volunteermatch.org if you want to volunteer in your community regardless of what religion or spirituality you are it's a good thing to help out your community and you'll 
it has uh, very incandescent rewards for you. So yeah, thank you. And like, subscribe, rate, write us, k at willems.com, a at willems.com. Give us a voicemail at 4242423817. Rate us on iTunes, Google Play Music, all of that stuff. Why are you still listening to me? Get out of here. You want to go full D? You're like, welcome to Ye Ultimate Party.